That's what it's all about, isn't it? Telling our story, the story of God working in our lives. Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. Are we going to have PowerPoint this morning, guys? Got a couple of glitches, I think. The reason I'm waiting is because we're going to do our verses of the month if we have PowerPoint. If not, we'll bypass those. We even prayed for our technology this morning. <laughs> now, you may not know that at um, 8.10 every Sunday morning, we meet in the booth and, and pray with the guys who are, who are doing our technology. There we go. Okay, I just don't have it on the back wall. All right, and we share together, and then I come down, and we meet with the praise team, and, and we pray again and just ask God to work, and then, then, then we pray through the whole time because it's all about God, isn't it? about what he wants to do in our lives. All right. Hand me another brick. We're looking at 2 Peter chapter 1. We're trying to memorize verses 3 through 11, and this month we're working at verses 5, 6, and 7. Let's read or quote these verses together. We'll begin with the reference, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. We'll read or quote the verses, and then we will end with the reference, okay? Here we go. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. Work on these verses. Add them to verses 3 and 4, and then start to... Work down through verse 11 that it may be a blessing in your life. Nehemiah, we've been working on this book since January, and we have discovered a number of blocks that we can take and use in our lives so that we can practically apply what the Scripture says for our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, we read, For you are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. God is trying to build us in such a way that we bring honor and glory to his name so that those around us may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we read this. You also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So as we add these different blocks to our lives, we should be able to see some progress that's going to take place in our lives. And this morning we want to look at progress. I trust that your story is progressing. I trust that your story is God's story. And I trust that you are seeing God do a work in your life so that you're challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Jesus Christ. We don't gather here on Sunday morning just to have an intellectual exercise. 
We don't gather here on Sunday morning just so that we can check the box. I was in church on Sunday morning. We gather here together so that God can work in our hearts and so the things in our hearts can be lived out through our lives in a very special way so that those who will see it will be glad and rejoice that God is doing a work. We come to Nehemiah chapter 6. And we see the work that God has done on the wall. Look with me at verse 15. Will you please? Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elhu in 52 days. And when all of our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that This work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Aram, and his son, Johanam, had taken the daughter of Mishlam, the son of Berakah, as his wife. Also they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. Now when the wall had been built and I had set the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, I gave to my brother Hanai and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem. For he was more faithful and God-fearing, than, and God-fearing man than many. And I said to him, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at their guard posts and some in front of their own homes. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and no houses had been rebuilt. Here we find the progress that is being made. I remind you that as Nehemiah was confronted by his brothers at Jerusalem, he was confronted about the walls. The walls had been torn down, the gates had been burned, and the people were discouraged. And so Nehemiah went to Artaxerxes, and there he asked permission to go and rebuild the walls. And now, according to Scripture, 52 days after they started the building of the walls, They're finished. Now, this morning we want to look at progress. And we want to see that progress in our lives can be pretty impressive. I I want you to think about 52 days. By my count, it took us 163 days to renovate this area. Now, that wasn't too bad. And we still have some renovations that we're working on. In fact, this week there's going to be some more progress made on our punch list, and we trust that it's going to be complete. But think about that. It took us almost three times as long to renovate our worship center than it did for Nehemiah to call together his people and rebuild the walls. Now, you may not have thought what the walls looked like back then, so I have a picture here that may help you a little bit understand about the old city. This is a modern-day drawing of of Jerusalem. You see the old city there, and there's a Jewish quarter, a Arminian quarter, a Christian quarter, a Muslim quarter, and up in the upper right-hand 
part of the picture you find the dome and the rock, which is the holy shrine of Islam. But you see the wall around the old city. This is what it looks like in a modern picture that was taken. Now the wall around Jerusalem today is approximately two and a half miles long and 40 feet high. That's the wall. Now, in Jeremiah's day, it, it was a bit different because it has been expanded since Jeremiah's day. And the wall in Jeremiah's day, as put together by all of the people, was not quite this large. Let's go to the next slide, Tyler, please. The wall in, Jer in I'm sorry, Nehemiah's day was two miles long and about 40 feet tall, and you see the outline of it. Now, that's pretty impressive for 52 days worth of work, wasn't it? What has God done in your life that's pretty impressive? Can you name some things that only God can do or has done that gives you the, the wonder of God working in your life? Think back where you were. And now think where you are and think about that spiritual journey. Isn't it a great journey? Some of you are real excited about that journey, I can tell. Has God done anything in your life? Can you look back and say, my God did this, and I came from here, and now I'm there, and I'm going that direction. We have a great God, and it should be impressive as we recognize what God is doing in our lives. Now, I think it's interesting as we look at the rebuilding of the wall. We need to understand a couple of things. I was talking with Morris Montague several weeks ago now, and Morris had an interesting experience in Jerusalem. As he was looking at the wall, as I understand it, and Morris, you can tell the real story after the service is over. As I understand it, for some reason he could not get back to his lodging place, his hotel. And so in trying to make his way back to his lodging place, he ran into somebody that said, I can get you there, and he was taken through a gate up to the top of the wall. And Morris actually got to walk the top of the wall in order to get back to his lodging place. Now, Morris said something about that. He said, you know, it's not all consistent. It's approximately 40 feet tall in places. Now, I remind you that there were a number of different workers who were putting the wall together. And they would build it so high, and others would build it so high. And it was different. He also said it was really interesting because the wall was not consistent in width. We'd walk, walk along and be very, very comfortable, and then we'd get down to a smaller part, and we'd have to kind of be very careful where we walked along, and then it would widen out again. But again, I remind you that just a number of people worked on this wall and put it up, and it was accomplished in 52 days. A pretty impressive thing. And I say, how in the world could all of that gotten done in 52 days? Well, let me share with you just five things that I believe helped accomplish this. First of all, the people had a mind to work. The people had a mind to work. You know, it is wonderful what God can do when his people have a mind to work. You find that in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Can you imagine 
what would take place in the city of Battle Creek if all of us got together and focused on the same project and gave all that we had to that project. Can, can you imagine how impressive that would be as we shared together here in Battle Creek? Now, statistics tell us that 20% of a church congregation are doing 80% of the work. What would happen if the other 80% started working on the work? You are here by divine appointment. I really believe that. And you are here as part of the body of Christ. And if the body is going to function properly, each one of us must do what we've been called to do. The ear needs to listen. The mouth needs to speak. The hands need to serve. The feet need to go. We, we all have that responsibility as God has placed us within the body. Now, are you doing your job? I have broken two bones in my life. One was my nose. I broke that in football. And that, you break your nose in football, Spencer? No, man. All right. I thought you your foot. Okay. Never mind. Went out of the, of the game, and my nose was over like this. And my coach looked at me, and he put his two fingers up my nostrils, straightened out my nose, put a piece of tape over there, said, go back in and play. You're okay. How's my nose look, Dennis? Pretty good. He did all right, huh? The other bone I broke was my little finger on my right hand. I broke my little finger on my right hand when I slugged my brother because I was mad at him. My little brother, Terry, I talked to him yesterday. My little brother went crying to my mom because his head hurt. I went crying to the den because my hand hurt. I didn't break his head. He broke my finger. But I, I say all that to, to say, I can't imagine if my whole arm was broken. How many of you had broken arms? Okay. Did you have to keep it up in a sling? Was it good for much while it was healing, Richard? No, no, no. You know, if we as a church would use all that God has given to us for his honor and his glory, it'd be pretty impressive what God could do. Now, impressive what God could do. Not what we do. Impressive what God could do. That's what Stacy's saying about this morning, right? There's a second thing that I think we need to look at as far as the, there were plenty of people were engaged. If you had counted those names around that wall as Nehemiah was pulling the people together and having him build the wall, you would have counted over 40 family groups that were involved. There were people not only from Jerusalem, but there were people from the country, and there were people from other countries who came and helped rebuild the wall. In Nehemiah chapter 3, we, we read about those people's groups, and we see how they all came together to do the work that God had called them to do. Number three, the ruins were used to rebuild the wall. 
You remember we read in Nehemiah chapter 4 where there was great rubble and that rubble was taken. Aren't you thankful that God can reuse us? Aren't you thankful God never throws us away? Aren't you thankful that no matter where we find ourselves, we have a God who can challenge us and change us and conform us to the character of his son, Jesus Christ? Aren't you thankful that it's not just young people that are used by God? Or not just senior saints that are used by God? And I am so thankful that God doesn't throw any of us away no matter where we find ourselves in being his kind of people. God supernaturally blessed their efforts. Every time the enemy saw what was going on, God got the glory. You know, that's the secret, isn't it? It's not about who gets the credit. It's how God gets the glory. And it's not about you or I getting our names out there. Did you see me on TV this past week? B saw me on TV, didn't you? I, was on, I had my 15 seconds of fame here in Battle Creek. Happened to be out at the zoo with the Rotary Club, cut a ribbon in my yellow and white striped shirt, right, B? Connie hadn't seen me on TV. Thursday morning, we're lying in bed, and the TV comes on, and there I am, and I go, Connie, 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 look, look. She was not real impressed. But it's amazing what God can do and what he accomplishes when we give him the glory. And then there was leadership. Nehemiah provided the leadership necessary in order to get the job done. I am so thankful for the leadership here at Calvary Baptist Church. I'm thankful for our deacons. I'm thankful for our trustees. I'm thankful for those who invest and are involved in our children's ministry. Amen? Thankful for our ushers. Thankful for those down in the cafe. Each one ministering in a very special way. I'm thankful for our technology people. Guys, thank you very, very much. Do a great job. Wasn't the choir good this morning? Well, thank you. <laughs> Matt, thank you for your ministry. Think about all this stuff. But it all takes somebody to pull it together. And Nehemiah was that person whom God used in a very special way to to pull together for his honor and for his, his glory. You see, when progress is being made in our lives, it's pretty impressive to see what God can do. And if you have not experienced God specifically working in your life, perhaps in the last 52 days, maybe you need to Go back and say, why, God? Aren't the building blocks that you have given to me being used to make up that spiritual house so that I can be that sacrifice for your honor and your glory? Progress is good. And it's pretty impressive when we recognize the wonder of our But as we read in Nehemiah chapter 6, there was a reaction of the opposers. Verse 16, and when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. 
for there perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Those who oppose the work start to recognize that they no longer are in control. Sam Ballot, Tobiah, all of those guys thought that they could stop the work of God, but they couldn't. And the work was completed. And now they stand there almost with their mouths hanging open wondering, how in the world did that happen? What was just accomplished? What was just done? What just took place? Now as you look at the opposers, you understand that the enemy was afraid. Did you see that? When all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid. You know, that's not an unusual response. In fact, you'll remember that when the two spy or the 12 spies were sent into the promised land by Moses, and you remember that the, the two of them were, were hit up in, in Jericho, and you remember the response there? Rahab said to them, we've heard about you guys. We've heard about how God parted the sea. And how he brought you out of Egypt. And we are now afraid of what you are going to do as we are here. Do you remember the Gibeonites? Those were the people that fooled Joshua and the people. And do you remember the reason they gave for lying to them? They said, we heard what your God had done and we're afraid. It's interesting what happens to the enemy when he sees God at work. The enemy knows our past, but God knows our future, and only our God is able to work all things together for good. And we have that kind of God. But not only was the enemy afraid, they were also discouraged. Made them doubt that they could have any part in subverting building of the wall. Scripture says they fell greatly in their own esteem. They lost confidence. They were no longer arrogant. They recognized that only God could do what was being done. And they started to recognize that they were not near as influential as they thought they were going to be. That's what happens. The enemy's afraid. The enemy starts to doubt. Why? Because they see the greatness of our God. They see the greatness of our God. Aren't you thankful for the greatness of God in your life? God has done exceedingly abundantly above what we would ever ask or think. Our God is a great God. Amen? And our God is able to do all things that are necessary to bring glory to his name. The opposers were afraid. They recognized that they were no longer influential. They began to doubt, and they saw the greatness of our God. Now, I need to remind you that they were still opposers. 
The enemy does not surrender. The enemy does not give up. The enemy continues to press hard to thwart what God is doing in people's lives. I've just finished reading Bill O'Reilly's book, The Last Days of Hitler. And that particular book starts in December of 1945 and rehearses those last-ditch efforts that the Nazis had in trying to defeat the, the Allies. You're familiar with that attack. We know it as the Battle of the Bulge. The Nazis called it Operation Rhine. And it was a surprise attack on Allied forces that caught them completely off guard. An initial attack with over 200,000 men, 340 tanks, 280 tracked vehicles, and somewhere between 67,000 and 127,000 of their men were killed. For the Americans, it was the bloodiest battle, believe it or not, even more than D-Day that took place during World War II. There were over 89,000 casualties on the American side. Yep, the enemy doesn't give up. That's why Peter tells us to be sober, be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks around seeking whom he may So even though progress may be pretty impressive, and even though it seems like the enemy may be on the run, do not let down your guard because the enemy is still there. And the enemy still wants to defeat us. And how does the enemy do that? He does that many times with opposition from within. You still in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 17. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah. Now, do you remember who Tobiah was? Was Tobiah a good guy or a bad guy? Do you remember? Was Tobiah a good guy or a bad guy? Bad guy. Okay, Tobiah was one of the enemy, right? Sam Ballot, Tobiah, those guys. Gershom, all right? And not only did they send letters to Tobiah, but Tobiah sent letters back to them. Now, who's identified there in verse 17? The nobles of Judah. Interesting, isn't it? Those who should have been most excited about what God was doing in Jerusalem. Those who should have been most supportive about what God was doing. People who should have been on Nehemiah's team. People who should have been encouraging Nehemiah and saying, look what God has done. But it was the nobles of Judah who were sending these letters back and forth. I think it's interesting that as we read uh, Nehemiah chapter 3, that it was the 
nobles who struggled even in building the wall. Do you remember that? Verse 5 says, and next to them were the Tekoites, and they repaired the wall, but the nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Leadership is not something about a family name. Leadership is not something about being in a position that people have put people in. Leadership is recognizing this is God at work and I'm going to be involved. But it was the nobles who oppressed. And may I remind you that oppression from within is a whole lot worse than oppression from without. When you think somebody's your friend and all of a sudden walks away from the work of the Lord, there's nothing that hurts deeper. There's nothing that wounds greater. There's nothing that defeats the cause of Christ than those from within. That's why it's so important that we all get on the same page. That we all develop the focus of Jesus Christ in our lives and nothing else. And that we recognize that God is the one to whom honor and glory is given. As you read the text, you find out that many of these nobles were related to Tobiah. His father-in-law was Shekinah. His daughter-in-law was Meshulam. And they were two who worked on the sections of the walls. And many Jews were loyalists to Tobiah. Perhaps they had trading contracts with him. And they kept telling Nehemiah good things about Tobiah. Yet Tobiah tried to intimidate Nehemiah in any way that he could. And as you look at the last part of verse 19, it says, And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. May I ask you this morning, where are you in your spiritual progress? What's God doing in your life? How is he developing the character of his son for you? Perhaps it's been pretty impressive to see what God has done, to know that you came from there and now you're here and glory to God. Perhaps even those around you have been intimidated. They've been afraid because it was only the work of God who could do this. But beware. Opposition's still there. The enemy has not surrendered. And do not, do not allow anything from within to sidetrack you from what God wants to do in your life. We have a great God, amen? And we can depend upon our God to meet all of our needs because we all have the same focus. For Nehemiah, it was building the walls. For us, it's developing the character of Christ until he takes us home for his honor and his glory. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning and the opportunity we've had just to Look into your word and discover truth. Help us to take these nuggets, Father, and to be able to apply them to our lives. 
and recognize that no matter what's taking place, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. We love you, Father, and thank you for your love. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.